in the 38 years since the United States has won four World Cup titles and four Olympic gold medals, making it one of the most successful national teams for the Americans. Those premier teams get a lot of love, but the 85ers, as they're known, have not. It wanted to be the world governing body of the sport, and yet it didn't want to recognize women's football. This has been a long, long journey, a story with many, many chapters. And it goes back long before this last year, long before 1999. And so I think the only place to start is by recognizing the very first U.S. Women's National Team in 1985. Welcome to a new series of Flame Bears, special edition U.S. Women's Soccer Originals celebrating the first U.S. women's national soccer team. I'm your host, Jamie, and I am beyond excited to be co-hosting this season with FIFA Player of the Century, Michelle Akers. Hey, team! In this series, we'll hear from the infamous 85ers. They blazed a trail at a time when women's soccer wasn't an Olympic sport, and the Women's World Cup didn't even exist. We get to celebrate these badass originals who I am so proud to call myself a teammate of. These icons you don't know yet, but we're changing that. They're players who came from all over the country, some on scholarships, others playing different college sports because women's soccer didn't even exist at the time. Setting the foundation for what is now the biggest event in women's soccer this summer. Their stories have never been told until now. Now let's kick it off to today's episode. I'm Tuka Haley. I was a member of the 1985 national team. My first soccer memory is growing up playing in Palo Alto. There were three teams in a multi-city area and the age range was 10 to 16. So I made the all-star team as a 10-year-old. So that's how, how few women there were playing soccer, women and girls, back then. Or how awesome you were. Well, that too, <laughs> that too. But uh, I mean, now, gosh, in Palo Alto Mountain View, Los Altos, there's probably thousands of teams literally playing in that age range. So, Tell us about the 85 team. It was really an exciting time. We were kind of thrown together. We uh, went to the sports festival and they selected the team from there and we were kind of off to Italy right at, after that. So we, um, the sports fest was so exciting to be selected to go to Italy was just, that was my first trip to Italy, I think. So it was just a thrill, the whole thing. Yeah, that, I know. Okay, first of all, we call you Taka. That is not how you say your name, right? You know, in the spirit of really being difficult, my mom, my real name is Margaret, and my mom gave me this nickname when I was born, and nobody called me anything else but that. So in soccer, it really stuck, because who are you playing soccer with your friends, right? And they would never call me anything else. But she spelled it Tucka and pronounced it Tucka. As I grew up, I started going by Margaret, and whenever anyone tried to give me a nickname, because it's it's a formal name, like Madge or Maggie, or I'm like, no, no nicknames. <laughs> I have enough names. Just call me Margaret. I know. What was hilarious to me at that reunion was 
everyone's like, oh, we've been calling you Tucka and now you're saying it's Tuka. What? No, sorry, we're not going to change it. Too bad. So sad. That was so funny. We were hearing that you guys played together. Michelle and I played together for a brief period of time on the Tremors, which was a mega team that uh, was put together in Northern California. I think Karen Jennings played with us a bit. Uh, so it was like a mega team. It was Lee, Lee Leonard, and he was my coach as a under 16. You know, he was just this fire captain who was super passionate about soccer and just kind of, you know, funded a lot of travel teams, basically. Was this semi-pro? It was kind of like semi-pro. I mean, everything was taken care of. I mean, obviously we didn't get paid, but they like flew me in. Everything was taken care of. It was, um, you know, travel and we were super competitive. It was professional. I mean, a professional kind of environment. Yeah, it was. But uh, Michelle, I don't know if you were with us or you remember, we went to a tournament in Las Vegas and stayed in such budget hotels that the door numbers were actually spray painted on the doors. At that time, that was professional. Are you kidding me? We thought it was hilarious that the, the numbers were spray painted on the doors and we were all together. So nobody felt unsafe, but it's just funny to remember the realities of pro-life. There wasn't really a team like it, except for uh, the Cozars when Booth Gardner the governor of Washington state coached the team and funded the team and the travel. That was a similar kind of setup and experience. But that Tremors team, I, I had the best time. I was so shy at, I was all, always been super shy. I used to literally cross the street walking home from school so I wouldn't have to talk to people. That's how shy I was. So a lot of those teams, I was like horrified if, because I was so anxious about being around people I knew. And so soccer was great because it kind of broke the ice. And then Amy and Leslie on that team were, were my buddies. And then uh, it was easy to make friends, of course. So s small world. Yeah, it was fun. It, you know, it was interesting because after 85 and I graduated from college and I actually went to play in Germany uh, for a season for the seven-time German national champion. It was Bergisch Gladbach, who I think now is, they transitioned their license or whatever to Bayern Leverkusen. But it was just, you know, the culture shock of playing in Germany where, you know, we spent about four hours a day practicing, but only an hour on the field and the rest of the time was spent in the, the bar drinking. <laughs> oh my God, can I at least run to practice? Can I run to practice? But. I went there to play soccer. My dad said, you have to do something other than soccer. So I studied German and nobody on the team spoke any English. My first job out of college, I'm proud to say, was counting shoe heels in a German shoe heel factory because the brother of the team owner owned a shoe heel factory. So that's what I did when I graduated from Cal. But they wanted me to agree to stay for three years. And I'm like, you know, it was the coldest winter in Europe since World War II. I didn't own socks because I grew up in California. I didn't ski, so I never wore socks. And I'm like, you know, I think I want to go home. And then so to come home and then I'm playing on the tremors, it's like, 
we would beat them every day of the week, you know, because it really was. It was, you know, we had four or five national team players on the team. So it was just a really great team to play for. We had the opportunity to sit down with Tucka's coach, who helped her get to that first national team. He had some fun stories about working with Tucka. Well, my name is Jair Fori. I'm from originally from Colombia. I met Margaret back in 1985, I believe, yeah. Just before the, the national team. We won the state championship and then we went to play the regionals in Phoenix, Arizona. And that's where Tuca's story really comes to life, okay? So, so we played there and um, we played the last game and right after the last game, she says to me, coach, I want you to train me. And I'm going, Margaret, Tuca, we just finished the season, okay? Why do you want to do this? And then she says, well, uh, uh, I want to train for the national team. I want to make the national team. And then I say, okay, um, uh, Margaret, why me? This is going to be very hard because the training that we do for the club is not the training that you are going to need for the national team. And I need you to be aware of it, okay? Because this is serious, okay? So now the next thing is how long do you have to go into the tryout for the national team, okay? And I said to her, look, you're going to be in pain. You're going to be sore. You're going to be upset. And at one point, you're not going to like me. You might even call me. You're going to call me names. Okay? So I just want you to understand that what you're asking is very, it's a different thing. If that's what you want, so then that's what we're going to do. And guess what? She says, oh, coach, um, I think that I'm going to say, I'm saying yes. I want to train. Okay? Then I look at her and I say, okay, so we're starting training right now. We're going to train right now at this particular moment. And she's kind of like, oh no, I got things to do. I gotta go play, I have places to go. Uh, people to see, you know what I mean? And I'm going and I look at, <laughs> and I look at uh, uh, Margaret, uh, I look at Tuka and I say, Tuka. And I pause. And then she paused. And that was, uh, uh, was kind of like a stalemate right there. She paused and I paused and I look at her and then she says, okay, coach. Tucker, so walk us through that because I know you had an unbelievable career. You were sharing that in Asheville. So you graduated and you were counting shoe heels in Germany. Then what? When I came back from uh, Germany, I played soccer with the Tremors and it soon became apparent. I mean, Michelle and I, Jamie, played the same position. And as she went on to be FIFA Women's Player of the Century, my duration on the national team, although fantastic, was kind of short-lived. So I soon realized that I had to get a career outside of soccer. So I finally got off of my parents' couch and took a job selling ads for the local newspaper, the Palo Alto Weekly. And that, believe it or not, that was the beginning to gosh, 10, 15 years later, to being one of the first ad sales people hired by Google. So I was employee number 81. There was three of us selling ads, east of the Mississippi, west of the Mississippi, and then all incoming inquiries. 
Wow. Talk about trailblazing. You've now done it twice. One with the national team and now with Google, which has become like the preeminent place for, for ad sales. If I have one lucky talent in life, is it's getting places first, you know? So I'm uh, really appreciative that I've been able to experience so many great things. Google lasted a little bit longer than the national team. I retired last year with 22 years. Wow. Gosh, that's so, that's so cool. What, what about YouTube? So ironically, uh, Google started a YouTube competitor and uh, Al Gore had actually come to talk at Google after he lost the presidential election. And he was about to start his TV network. And he was like, you know, video can influence people in a way that it's non-linear, it's not your logical mind. So, you know, how important the democratizing of video is gonna be. So that really hit me. So when Google started Google Video, which was short-lived, I'm like, I want to work there because this is going to change the world. But of course, Google Video didn't change the world, but then Google buying YouTube did change the world. Wow. Was there anything that you learned from the 85 team that carried over into your work? So you, you're being very humble about, about your tenure on the team. Was there any lessons or things from your days playing with Michelle and the team that carried over into your work as a, as a non-soccer player, as a non-professional athlete? You know, that is a really good question. I'm not sure I can answer it without thinking about it for a while, but I think the big thing is just when you feel moved to do something, follow that. The, the summer before the selection and the sports festival, I was going into my senior year at Cal and I just decided I'm really going to train. And my dad, God bless him, was like, Mama, she needs to get a job. And my mom was like, her job's soccer right now. Thank you, mom. So I really, uh, for whatever reason, spent the summer before the festival, you know, practicing three times a day and really working out. And for some reason, it was just the perfect timing because that enabled me to make the national team and then have this great experience because we had had selected national teams before that, like in 84, but it was a paper team. So, and we had no idea that this was going to be uh, a real team that was actually going to go get to play other places. So, so I think just like when you feel that urge to do something, just do it. Yeah, that's so good. Even now, like after soccer, after all the things in these transitional moments, personally or career-wise, it's that's what you have to follow, isn't it? I mean, there's a practicalness about making decisions, but it's almost like you can't live practically. That can't be your whole path. There has to be that passion and something that otherworldly pull, you know, like soccer was for us. Yeah. And you just never, you never know when that door will open or when that door will close, right? And so I always like to say to people, you know, you don't figure out what you want to do by sitting on the couch. You know, you just got to get out there and start doing things. Like, how would I ever know that taking a job selling ads for the Palo Alto Weekly was going to lead me to one of the greatest company in the history of the world? So you just got to get out there and start doing and it's not always motivating. It's not always fun. But when you do feel a pull for something, go for it. 
And this gopher attitude was something that Tucker's coach, Jair, shared as well. Why is the matter? Because this is the story of somebody that have uh, something in her mind that she wants to do. Okay. But at the time, she just didn't know how to accomplish it. Okay. So, yeah, we all have hopes. We all have dreams. And out of all of those dreams, we want to be able to uh, achieve them. And um, in, in this society, there's so many different people that will tell you not to do things or that you cannot be successful and things like that. But she wasn't that type of person. What are you doing for World Cup? You know, I I went to the last one. I decided not to go to this one, but Pebbles and I, we're going to post on Pebbles the Boxer. I have a Alex Morgan life-size fat head, a Sophia Smith life-size fat head. Pebbles has her little red, white, and blue bandana, so we are ready to watch all the games. So I'll post on Instagram so you can see the watching experience from my house. I may take some of the games, Last World Cup, I think I watched every single game. It only happens once every four years. What do you want to say to this summer's World Cup team? Bring it back. You know, I'm tied with Alex Morgan on the all-time scoring list at Berkeley. So she's my homie. I'm totally rooting for her. Last World Cup, I had a life-size pin out of her uh, right by my TV. So I hope she comes home with a golden boot. Tucka, what are your hopes for the future of women's soccer? I hope it continues to be an exciting and happy place for girls. Our culture can focus on being a champion and a performer, but really it should be just about joy and being with your friends and trying really hard regardless of the outcome. I hope that's really what the future is for girls and women in soccer. Thanks for tuning into Flame Bears and massive thank you to my amazing co-host, Michelle Akers. If you would like to write or send in a letter of support or appreciation to Tucka Healy or the 1985 national team, please send it to Marissa P at flamebearers.com. That's Marissa, M-A-R-I-S-S-A, P as in Potter at flamebearers.com. Thanks. And we'll catch you on our next episode.